it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. NFL preseason is in full swing, and the Ringer NFL show is now airing four shows each week, covering the latest news stories, training camp updates, fantasy football advice, and more. On the site, Robert Mays, Kevin Clark, and Danny Kelly offer up their insight on the 2019 season as we inch closer to kickoff. You can read their pieces on TheRinger.com, and you can listen and subscribe to The Ringer NFL Show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Ringer NBA show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from theringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Concert, a.k.a. Kevin O'Camera, a.k.a. Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Comment, Kevin O'Canceled, <laughs> Kevin Opinionated, a.k.a. Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin! Berno, what's going on tonight, man? Well, uh, we have had Team USA going on recently, and that has mm. been the majority of the NBA news that has come out over the course of the past week since we have last spoken. Team USA is going on to the World Cup. I guess they are going to head to Australia first, and they are going to play a couple more exhibition games. But last week saw more reports of them getting beat by the select team, which was filled with a bunch of young players, and then getting beat by a collection of G League standouts. And so everybody was a little bit nervous, but then they played an exhibition against Spain and handled Spain. And Spain had Marcus All, Spain had Sergio Lull, Spain had Ricky Rubio, the Hernan Gomez kids. I mean, there was, there was guys on that Spain team for sure. And Team USA looked pretty good. But then the stories become more of the headlines are about who has pulled out of playing for this Team USA in the World Cup. And the latest is, well, I guess let's track back. We have P.J. Tucker first. And then the latest is De'Aaron Fox, which... I mean, by all accounts, Fox has been one of the massive standouts throughout this entire process, and I was really hoping to see him on the team when they get to the World Cup because I'll watch the World Cup just to see how they do. They've got USA across their chest, and certainly with all the reports about De'Aaron Fox, I wanted to see if he is really taking a big leap as many seem to believe how good he looked. And so it's kind of a shame, you know, this was not going to be star-studded, to say the least, but now some of the good young players and two of those kings, Bagley and Fox, have decided to go home. And I don't know, that's kind of the fun part to me, right, is these young guys playing on the team. For sure. And and I think from a scouting standpoint, it would have been great to see someone like De'Aaron Fox. And I know everybody's talking about how weak this Team USA roster is compared to past years. However, for Fox... How many minutes were there really for him when you're looking at the fact that Kemba Walker is going to be the primary ball handler on that team? Donovan Mitchell will be getting a lot of playmaking opportunities. Then, other than that, Derek White is a superior defensive player and a superior shooter. Marcus Smart is a more versatile, superior defensive player as well. And then you have Chris Middleton playing wing and Joe Harris will be playing a lot of wing because they need shooting and spacing. That's the one thing they don't have a lot of on this team is shooting. So for Darren Fox, to me, it made sense for him to just to drop out and focus on the coming season. There's no reason to risk injury. And besides, considering the, the makeup of this guard-heavy roster, I'm not so sure it made a lot of sense for him to, to stick with it the rest of the way. 
Kind of interesting, too. I do think we can draw from this. And Brian Windhorst uh, has done a very good job reporting on everything that's gone on with Team USA was that Trey Young, by all accounts, looked absolutely unbelievable while he was there. And in fact, that select team, which had handled the big team a couple of different times, that switched up once Trey Young was out. I mean, he was that good for that select team. And he had this eye infection that he dropped out for, right? But to read the Brian Windhorse reports, that was only after he found out that Derek White had been promoted to the senior team ahead of him. And De'Aaron Fox, in the game the other night, he only plays six minutes against Spain. And again, it's Derek White. And so you do kind of wonder if these guys saw the writing on the wall and maybe there's a little preferential treatment going on. I mean, you'd love to believe that Greg Popovich is just going to take the best player no matter what. But to hear the stories, it was kind of as if, you know, Trey Young made that decision after he heard that Derek White had been promoted. And now we have the Fox thing and Fox was playing less minutes. And maybe he thought Derek White's going to get on that team. Or maybe, you know, look, if De'Aaron Fox plays 20 minutes in the Spain game, he probably doesn't go home. You know, I mean, these guys, I think Bagley probably felt the same way. It's like, yeah, I could, I could make the final roster. They're probably going to keep me, but I mean, am I going to go over to China and just sit on the bench the entire time? I think these guys looked at it and said, if I'm going to be on this team, I want to play on this team. And if I'm not going to get to play, then I don't know if I want to spend the next month in Australia and then China after that, uh, to play for this team. So who knows? But good for Derek White, I guess, unless he gets cut. They still got to cut it down from 14 to 12. And it looks like it's going to come from White, Lopez, Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart didn't play any against Spain. So he was out with an injury, I think. Uh, yeah. Hamstring injury, if I remember correctly, for that game. Do you, do you, when it comes to the decision with this roster, can you really blame? Popovich, though, if he's going with the guy that he knows that he can rely on in Derek White, the guy that he has two years now of experience communicating with, that he knows he can plug and play him in certain roles. And oh, by the way, Derek White's a really good player, a reliable playmaker, a a shot maker, and a really, really stellar defensive player. It's not like it's picking the coach's son here who has no business being on the team. Derek White, considering the makeup of this roster, is very deserving of, of a spot on it. Boy, is the opinion of Derek White shot up? You know, I always like I always like Derek White. I mean, come on, he's not the Aaron Fox, Kev. <laughs> Let's get serious. I mean, if you're if you're talking about building Let's out get... this roster, though, it's not it's not always about who the best player is, and this, and this is true for NBA roster building as well. So for Team USA. In a vacuum, Darren Fox might be a better player than Derek White, but for Team USA, for your fourth guard. Maybe it's not the ball handling presence that you need a Fox. Maybe it's instead the higher end defensive ability and versatility that Derek White provides Maybe in so. that player. Maybe so. Uh, clearly, and, and listening to Bill talk about this over the course of the past couple of podcasts, he has talked about and has given tremendous evidence that this can really help guys going forward. The experience of playing around other great players, drawing from them, uh, the experience of Hearing a different coach's voice can really have an impact on them going forward. And there's a lot of different cases 
of guys playing their best basketball after playing for Team USA. And we think about De'Aaron Fox, we think about Marvin Bagley, Jaron Jackson Jr., Trey Young, so many of these young guys that are not on the senior team and yet got that experience of being there. And then you have a bunch of young guys still on the senior team, the Jalens and the Jason Tatums, even the Kemba Walker. And, and there's some also players that don't play for the Celtics too, I think, on this team. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> uh, it, it's pretty weird how there, yeah, there's four of them. Right. Uh, so anyways, it can have an impact. And I will tell you that I watched the scrimmage between Team USA and that select team that they ran on NBA TV. And, I mean, there was a couple of guys, and the biggest was Bagley. When I was watching that, I thought to myself, my God, this guy looks ready for a breakout. And I would be so excited if I were a Sacramento Kings fan to have De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley, those two guys in back-to-back drafts, another pair of guys, you know, under the age of 23. And we've got these all across the league these young duos, but those two, everybody was raving about Fox, but I'm telling you, Bagley was everywhere, Kevin. Like there was just no way you could watch the game and not notice him and his level of activity. And these guys start to really grow into their bodies. You know, you remember that they're only, you know, 19, 20 years old and that they're still becoming whoever they're going to become. But I think Bagley's ready for a massive breakout. I really do this upcoming year, and it may fall in line with a huge Fox breakout too. And so that was the one thing that really stood out from watching that to me and watching these young guys perform in that is like, my goodness, that duo with healed on the outside. I mean, they're going to have to screw that up for it to not end up being fantastic. And then the one guy that often gets overlooked is Bogdan Bogdanovich. For sure. Who just had a big game for the Serbian national team as well. Yep. Uh, just the other night, I believe, scoring 27 points, if I remember correctly, in a win over Lithuania. And granted, it's just Lithuania, but Serbia is one of those teams, if you're looking past the USA for someone who can win this tournament, Serbia is often the second favorite. You have US on Bovada, for example, USA is minus 250. Serbia is second at plus 400. And wow. you look at that team with Jokic on it, with Bogdanovic, they're a strong contender to actually make a run at this things. But to me, like... Chris, I, I think you got to go with the team with the best player on it with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Greece, to me, with Giannis, is the real threat here to knock Interesting. off USA. Interesting, because it's not like, right, they've got that guy, but it's not like you look at the rest of their team and it's a who's who or that they're loaded, but they've got possibly, I mean, they certainly, they got the reigning MVP, <laughs> right? On, exactly. the, on their, on their team. And so if you got the reigning MVP and, and all his brothers, his brothers are pretty good <laughs> basketball players as well. It's just all on the Jacobos. <laughs> yeah. Is that what it is? When you look at the, yeah. when, when you look up and down the roster, it's just, yeah, yeah exactly. Giannis and Theonis. Hey, <laughs> Nick Calatis, I'm familiar with him. Papa Giannis got a cup of coffee, right? Isn't he? The, Papa isn't he, Giannis, yeah. Well, isn't he that guy that the Kings yeah. drafted? Yeah, Papa Giannis. Uh, yeah, huh. that was the shocking pick of the draft. Yes. But Nicolaitis is good. And Nicolaitis had a damn good career over in Greece. He was just playing for uh, Rick Patino's team. 
So they got they got some players to go along with Giannis, and Giannis looks. I mean, good grief! Every time I see a highlight come across, I haven't watched Greece yet, but I see those highlights that get posted on social media, and I'm like, God, dunk it on everybody. The dunk he had in transition, oh. where it looked like, where it looked like it was impossible for him to dunk, and then he somehow managed to stretch his arm out. Yes, that's why he has a nickname, Greek Freak. It's yes. plays like that, and it's so abnormal. I mean, for so many years, we've seen these great athletic players in transition throw down loud dunks, but it's not often you see someone like Giannis who can do it the way he does, where he can do it with power, but he can also do it when his foot is pretty much just touching the ground and he reaches out and dunks with power. It's really weird. Well, and there's no doubt he is the best guy, right? Yeah. Like, he's the best one playing in all of this by a pretty wide margin. I mean, if we're looking up and down and we're thinking about who is he the only of guys that we would consider like top 10, 20 players in the NBA? I would say so. Is he the only one that is playing in this? Because if you were trying to, I don't want to leave anybody out. I mean, I might be because I'm just doing this off the cuff. But if we are just, I mean, Spain doesn't have anybody anymore. Marcus Soul is no longer a top 25, 30 guy. Um, United States, Kemba is borderline. But I'm not, I wouldn't guarantee that he's a, a top twenty-five guy by any means. He would be the argument. The Canadian team is depleted, so it's nobody from them. Maybe Donovan, and he's supposed to be the best yeah. player on on the team USA. This is the summer of Donovan Mitchell by all counts. And I'm gonna tell you, like we were on him early after summer league. He clearly had a great rookie season. Was asked to carry a load in his second year on what was a very good team last year. I had the chance to be around him during summer league and everybody had always told me that he is just, I mean, he's just an absolutely great guy. Like it is not, it's not an act. It's not fake. And then like when the cameras are off, he's a different guy, but by all accounts, he's a great guy. And I got a chance to be around him and I experienced that uh, during summer league. And then just watching him and, and the way he handles himself in all of these media settings as kind of the guy. It's great to see because, you know, he got his own signature shoe from Adidas this summer. You got a pair, didn't you? I saw you on Instagram. <laughs> Dude, they're, they're like, uh, are they good? I, you know, my whole life, and I thought it's worth, let me preface this. I still really like Nike, but all my whole life, I've always worn Nike and never wore Adidas, but those are really, really comfortable. Is that right? Look, Yeah, they're really comfortable. I have two pairs of Adidas and both of them are, some of the most comfortable sneakers that I've ever worn. And I never really wore Adidas much uh, when I was a kid. It was typically Nike. Um, How about that? Yeah, yeah dude. I, I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going to convert. Who knows? But, oh, I'm, my I'm, goodness. I'm, but I'm not like married to any one sneaker brand. You, you get those sneaker heads who are like only Nike. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, you got those <laughs> I'm, spider I'm, ones. But yeah, I mean, the kids, kids got his own signature shoe. They've got, they've built a great team. You know, around him for this upcoming season. Are you a sneakerhead, Chris? I am. You are? I am. My whole life, I never was. I just wore like plain black Nike sneakers, and nobody ever complimented my <laughs> my sneakers until I started wearing. Yeah, I don't know, like basketball sneakers, and, and now now it's like all the time we were like nice sneakers, and I'm like, this is weird. Nobody ever said this before. My whole this, life. This is embarrassing, but I think on. What was this? This past weekend, I had to clean out my closet, and I probably threw away—not threw away—I took them to Goodwill. Um, uh, 30, 40 pairs. 
Wow. So yeah. Yes. Wow. And I, I probably realize. got I probably got fifty. Wow. Fifty in there. Still. Probably. Yeah, Still. Pro- oh pro- my god. Probably. Probably. Damn. I never realized. I mean, th- we've talked about a lot of stuff over the years, Chris. Well, I wasn't when I was young. You okay. know, I wasn't when I was young. This is midlife crisis stuff. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, no. maybe that's what it'll be like for me. It's because I love wearing them. They're comfortable no, this, and they look good. No, this is a true story about, uh, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, I got into the Air Maxes and the Jordans, and then I got into the Yeezys, and I got Ooh. into the StockX stuff. And so... Yeah, I was big on shoes. I just started buying. And then I, um, but now I've spent so much money on golf, I've chilled out on the shoes. <laughs> this is stuff that happens as you get older, right? I mean, you just gotta, you find something that you get interested in. And I was always a big collector of things. And so I guess I just, I don't know, my attention went towards that for a time. And here, all right, just on a side note, here's the thing that happened to me, okay? I started following those Twitter accounts, sneaker steal and kicks deal and like these sneaker accounts. And so they flash up like what they do is they like, uh, they flash up any kind of sale that's going on. Right. So there'll be some website that's selling like air maxes and it'll be like 59 99 free shipping, you know, normally 120. And I just click on it and I, I can't help myself. I can't, I can't help myself. Like I got to unfollow those because every time they put something up, I'm like, damn, I want those or that's a great deal. And next thing I know, I got 3000 pairs of shoes, but I really blame Twitter. (laughs) I really blame Twitter for that. But yeah, I am a, I probably got, jeez, I don't know. I mean, that's just tennis shoes, Kev. That's just tennis shoes. Cause I've got dress shoes and you know, you yeah. gotta get a pair of the the Giannis signatures that came out. Those look really nice, man. Man, uh, and they're cheap too. They're like they're they're cheap for signature shoes too. Are you talking about the freak ones? Yeah, yeah those. Oh, come on, man. Wait, you, what? Those aren't cool. Are no, the kids no, not no. Those? I said, I, I, look, look. <laughs> um, I bought them. I'm not kidding. For my oh, son. you already the, got those. No, my okay. son's got them. The day they came oh, out. Oh, hell yeah. The day they came out, well, Sick. because I happened to be at a Nike outlet and for whatever reason they had them. So I got them for like, you know, 40, 50 bucks. And I was like, all right. And I of lo- course, I love the way the swoop is on the shoes. Yeah. The backwards one. Yeah. Kinda. It, looks, it looks so dope, man. Yep. Anyways. All right. Back to Donovan Mitchell. Donovan <laughs> Mitchell. We talked about like some of the younger guys that could have a breakout year coming up this year. Mitchell is one that it's not fair to say like a breakout year. But could he become one of the best players in the NBA this year? That's the question. I mean, probably not, but you don't um, think so? I, I do. do think some of his weaknesses and can be enhanced by Mike Conley. I mean, we've talked about this before. What Conley could do for Mitchell, and we could see a preview of this in Team USA when he's surrounded by more playmakers, but what Mike Conley can do for Mitchell during the regular season is minimize some of those poor shots that Mitchell had to create for himself at the end of games in situations where they need a bucket. Now you have Mike Conley who can do that and generate shots for you. So I think in that case, Mitchell's going to get a lot more easier shots. He's going to be able to cut more. Something that he did at Louisville in college at a high level was cutting off ball. So 
we're going to see Mitchell cutting more. We're going to see him shooting off ball more. And we're just going to see him with less pressure and less responsibility on his young shoulders. He's still going to be only 23 years old this coming season. And he's already had significant success. So for Mitchell, I think the emphasis and, and the, the real focus will be for scoring the ball for him, which is only going to elevate that area of his game as well as others like his already productive defense. So Conley, Conley, I, I don't think makes Mitchell one of the best players in the league, but he certainly helps elevate him in the hierarchy of the league. I think he will be in the conversation as, you know, get in that top 20 players in the league conversation. And I do think he'll okay, make his first all-star game appearance. That's fair. I, I wouldn't disagree with a top 20, 25 guy. I think that's fair. I, when you said one of the best players of the game, I thought you meant like top 10. Well, I mean, he would have, I mean, you know, with Durant out, there's going to be a spot open probably, <laughs> you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I think Mitchell's going to be, Absolutely great, and I think he's going to be the leading scorer on what is a great team this year, and so he'll probably get more shine than ever upcoming this year. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the Kia Rookie of the Year, as well as every other award and superlative was picked in the rookie survey that was conducted by John Schumann for (laughs) NBA.com. So we will discuss what the other rookies think is going to happen with their particular class this upcoming season. We'll do that after these words. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Google Fi. Doesn't it feel like most phone plans just weren't made with us in mind? Between bad coverage, paying too much for your data you don't ever actually use, and crazy roaming charges, Google Fi is a phone plan by Google made with features that people like you and I actually want. Features like free international roaming, so you never have to worry about calling up your provider to be letting them know you're going to be traveling. And three networks in one, so you can stay connected wherever you are, from your home to your office and everywhere in between. Google Fi works on your favorite smartphones, so you don't have to switch phones just to switch plans. In fact, it's just as easy as downloading the app, and you only have to pay for the data you use. Plus, with bill protection, if you ever use a lot of data, your bill is capped at a reasonable amount. Learn more at fi.google.com. That's fi.google.com. Switch to Google Fi, a phone plan by Google. All right, Kev. So we mentioned that the NBA rookie survey came out. Uh, Shout out to John Schumann, who puts this out every year and asks the rookies a series of questions to find out what they think is going to happen with their peers. And here's how it went this year. Who will win the Rookie of the Year award? 35% of the rookies voted for Zion Williamson, 27% for John Morant, 5% 5% for R.J. Barrett, 5% for Cam Reddish, and then there was a bunch of guys in the others receiving votes categories. Do you agree with the rookies that Zion Williamson will be the Rookie of the Year? I would 100% agree. However, it is fascinating that John's been doing this survey since 2007, or at least NBA.com has been doing the survey since 2007. And that was the only year, 07, when the rookies got it right. They picked Kevin Durant to win the rookie of the year. And that's the last time they wow. got it wrong every other year since then. Well, in, in, in an attempt to not be a total homer, you know that going into the draft, I love John ja Morant. Uh, going into the lottery, I love John ja Morant. And then he ended up in Memphis 
I do think when you're playing over whatever, 30 minutes a game, and you've got the ball in your hands all the time, you're just going to have so much opportunity. I mean, that is that is the advantage, is when you have the ball in your hands, you get to decide what happens. Zion, for the most part, is going to have to have somebody pass him the ball in order to get it. <laughs> so you wonder, I mean, oh, for sure. I mean, where does Zion fall in terms of shot attempts on the Pelicans team? You think he is? Yeah, that's a good point. There's second? a lot of guys, is a lot of months third? to feed on that team. Yeah, I mean, how many shots does he get as compared? Does he take more shots than Drew Holiday? Does he take more shots than Brandon Ingram? Does he take more shots than JJ Redick? I do think Zion is going to get his though from transition. Though we're going to see a lot of situations right. where Zion rips down a defensive rebound, takes the ball himself, and goes coast to coast, or makes a play for another person or draws a foul and gets to the free throw line. So I think Zion's going to get plenty of shots, at least in the open floor. And in the half court, though, that is that is a good point, though, where maybe a lot of his buckets do from cleaning up around the rim uh, with dump-offs and the pick-and-roll, rim-running, cuts. He's going to get buckets, but he's not going to do a lot of creating for himself necessarily in half-court situations. Yeah, and the other the advantage for Zion is that he should be on the best team of these guys. Yes, that's the big part. Yep. So that, that could is be a an playoff advantage. team. They could be. But clearly the advantage for Morant and Barrett is that they are going to play a position where they have the ball a lot. And so they are going to get to control their outcome in many cases. Morant, more than likely, as more of a passer. Barrett, as more of a playmaker slash scorer. And it wouldn't surprise me if Barrett has some really big scoring nights in the NBA this year. If you told me Barrett ends up having several 30-point nights, it, it would not shock me. I mean, he's a great scorer. He is. He's a great scorer. And so that's um, that's possible. Um, you hope he'll become a great scorer. Uh, no, he is a great scorer. That's I, the one I thing mean, I am confident he can do. He can put the I mean, ball in the basket. The one interesting thing, you know, to hit on your point, Chris, I do think if you were betting on Rookie of the Year, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to to look at somebody like a Darius Garland on Cleveland who will also get opportunities to score the ball on a young team that's not yeah. going to be good, but he'll put up numbers. It's just it's just you, yeah, it's hard to win that know, award when you're 15 and 67. But how about even someone like Rui Hachimura on Washington? If I'm talking about these guys that are going to get opportunities to put up volume numbers as a scorer. If you're placing a bet on somebody else other than the favorite in Zion or, or the number two in Jabba Rance, I do think you get a look at a Darius Garland or Rui Hachimura, somebody like that, that's going to get opportunity to score and can put up big volume numbers. They're the guys that make sense to me. I tell you, the other one then would be Kobe White in Chicago. Very fair. He'll have the ball in his hands, same way. You just yep. have such an advantage. You know what I mean? If nobody has to pass you the ball and like you are not so many rookies, they're just scared to they're scared to take shots and they they just want to fit in because they're scared if they make a mistake, their coach is going to pull them out. But the guys that get drafted very highly that are going to have the ball in their hands, they've got so much opportunity to put up numbers. And in the event that there's a majority of the voters that are not going to see you play an excessive amount of games and are going to be looking at your numbers in order to decide who they think deserves the award, it's just such an advantage. Um, it, one of the things from that particular question was it was a sign of things to come in terms of the rookies 
and that they have a very high opinion of one of their peers, and that is Cam Reddish, because Cam Reddish fell in that third-place voting for Rookie of the Year. And then in the next question, which rookie will have the best career? Cam Reddish, 19%, got the most votes. He was followed by Ja Morant, DeAndre Hunter, and then there was a group of guys uh, that got votes, R.J. Barrett, Jackson Hayes, Kobe White, Zion Williamson. Um, This is just absolutely goofy to me. Seriously, I don't get it at all. But I wasn't a Reddish fan, and you were. We broke ways on that. But I am very shocked that the rookies voted him as having the best career of anybody in this rookie class. What do you make of it? It feels like kind of a, a hipster take, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's like NBA draft hipsters. Like, yeah, actually, Cam Reddish is going to be the best player in this draft. <laughs> it's like you're just having a take just to have a take. But with that said, if you look at past year's votes, rookies, you know, last season they voted Wendell Carter as the rookie that's going to have the best career despite voting DeAndre Ayton and Colin Sexton as the guys who would win Rookie of the Year. To be honest with you, man, like it's pretty clear. <laughs> Rookies, like all of us, like you and me and general managers, aren't always the best at predicting the future. All right. Well, they say Cam Reddish. It is interesting, though, that they did give that award or whatever you want to call it to, to Cam Reddish because I do think Cam through this whole process from his struggles at Duke, playing alongside R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson, to slipping a little bit in the draft, I do think people have soured maybe a bit too much on him. And when you consider what Cam, and this is where you and I kind of disagreed, Chris, but I think he does have a foundation of skills to be a, a success, especially in that Atlanta system where Trey Young is going to be the primary ball handler there. And at least early in Cam Reddish's career, his responsibility is so simple. It's spot up, hit threes, attack closeouts, make smart plays off the dribble, which he can do as a passer, and then just really grind on the defensive end of the floor. Wow. He can be three and D, and then over time grow. Grind grow on the defensive else. end of the floor is where you lose Dude, me, Kevin. He, I mean, look. He he was a good defender at Duke, though. Look, we've been doing this show for three years. That kid, he's got a motor problem, and I got he's, no, he's, no he's time. Not, he's no not time. Jeff Green, though. He's not I Jeff Green. no time. For motor problems. No time. No time for them. You can have them. I don't know if I'd necessarily call it motor problems as much as just sometimes he fades. I, 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 think, I know this. I know he told Duke that uh, he walked in the locker room 45 minutes before a tournament game and said, I can't play. And they were like, why? And he was like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hurt. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Come on. I, I don't trust it. I don't trust it. No Look, thanks. there's questions that are very fair about RJ's upside, and that's why he slipped. That's why I soured on him a bit. But I do think it's gone a bit too far. So it's it is interesting to see a lot of rookies who played high school with him, who played AAU with him, giving him that vote because they oh. saw what he could do before. No, you know what that you know what this means? It means Cam Reddish is probably an awesome kid that everybody likes. He Seriously. is a good kid. He is I a guarantee good kid. you that's what that means, right? That like he's probably everybody's buddy. They probably all love Cam Reddish. That's what I'd guess. He's a good kid. Uh, yep. I think with Cam, he's quiet, um, but he's a good kid. Yep. Kevin O'Cameron, crazy. I forgot. Mm. Um, one thing to note. Oh, yep. One thing to note, though. I just want to say this before we move on. Rookies voted <laughs> in 2014. The guy who would have the best career, Jabari Parker. <laughs> and then in tw- 2015, they voted Jaleel Okafor. That's all I wanted to say. That's, that's all. Oh, that's okay. all. <laughs> wow. 
It's all Duke. All and Duke they, did, all, they also did vote Brandon Ingram in 2016, which I also would have voted. What the hell? Um, is it Is it every year Simmons. a Duke guy? And then the following year, Jason Tatum alongside Lonzo Ball. <laughs> I, think, I think John and Schumann then, and just then, does. And then, and then Wendell Carter and then Cam Reddish. Oh, for God's <laughs> It really is. Yeah, it's oh, my Duke. God. Then 14, 15, 16, 17 tie, then 18, 19. Wow. The vote's rigged. It's rigged, Chris. I don't think this isn't a rookie survey. This is a Coach K survey. Well, <laughs> Co- Coach K wouldn't have voted for Reddish, but the other ones he would have. Oh, no, he um, wouldn't have. That's crazy. Really? Yeah. It's yep. every well, year has been a Duke player? Every year. A lot, a lot of Duke kids. Uh, you know, it, I didn't even realize that until I said Okafor, and then, you, then you're like, wait a minute here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one was, uh, which rookie was the biggest steal where they were selected in the draft? Bull Bull at 44th to Denver, and Kevin Porter Jr. at 30th to Cleveland, tied for the most amount of votes. I... I think this is totally reasonable. Um, the bull bull thing, as we know, is total, you know, try to hit a grand slam and it's either a grand slam or an out, probably. Like it's it's very hard to imagine him just being okay, you know, just being an average player in the NBA. Like it kind of feels with him, it's either gonna hit or it's not. But there's a chance. And you and I have talked about, it. I mean, the skill level is just crazy for a guy his size and I know all the knocks on Bull Bull but getting him at 44 is a hundred percent worth the risk to me and he goes to a really good team where he doesn't have to be good immediately and the other one Kevin Porter you know from the very first minute I saw him and most everything with Porter that I heard that talked me out of him was off the court None of it was on the court. And I do worry about him going to Cleveland and winning, you know, 15 games and being on a team. Hopefully, John Beeline and the rest of the guys can can keep everything in order. But it's it's not going to be an extremely healthy environment because excessive losing is never healthy for any of these young guys. But Porter is a extremely skilled basketball player who jumps off the I mean, he jumps off the screen at you when you go through and watch some of his highlights. And so I buy it. I buy this. Carson Edwards, Nasir Little, Isaiah Roby, Kobe White, Grant Williams all got votes. But Bull Bull at 44, Kevin Porter at 30. I think this is totally fair, don't you? Yeah, it's fair. Uh, I'm a bit surprised we didn't see more votes for Brandon Clark going to Memphis uh, with the 21st pick or Nikhil Alexander-Walker going to New Orleans with the 17th pick. Um, But this is the type of thing that, you know, it'll figure itself out over time. I I wouldn't have voted Bull Bull. I I think considering the element of risk with him off the court, uh, but also on the court with his injury proneness, I think falling to 44 might have been a bit too far. But I do think there was other guys who were greater steals at this point um, when assessing the draft. Yeah, there's just, I mean, if it hits, there's, you know, there's very few guys that you can say there's nothing like him, but there's really nothing like him in the league. I mean, he's like a worse version of Chris Stapps, maybe. That's a possibility, or, or a Thon Maker, someone like that. Yeah, but he's even bigger. I, and yeah, I mean, he's bigger, and he's also and thinner, too. He's got twigs for legs. Yeah, I'm with it. I, I mean, he might get just thrown around, and it might just work out terribly. But, you know, I'm rooting for the kid. That was so hard to watch. Because, I mean, God, he, like, he only played X number of games at Oregon, and he was friggin' awesome. 
<laughs> I mean, it's not like you I mean, played in college games that was crap. He played in college yeah. games and was awesome in them. I, I wouldn't go as far as awesome. Yeah, he was. He was not. He yes, was he was. Really, he was pretty horrific on defense. Oh, stop. He was not horrific. He was, that's, that's he a, was horrific. That's yeah. a goo- what a goofy take. Horrific. Stop. <laughs> it's college basketball, for God's sakes. Um, I mean, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> he was not horrific in college. I mean, if you want to project I mean, him to the NBA as a terrible defender, but he was not a horrific defender at Oregon. His put up was fine. His effort was horrific. That's fair. Your effort's horrific. Thank um, you, Chris. All right. Uh, Good rebuttal. The rookie, <laughs> the rookie who is most athletic. Uh, unbelievably, Zion Williamson, uh, number one. Followed by Brandon Clark also got some votes. Both super yeah. athletic guys. Mm. The rookie who's the best shooter, Tyler Hero. I got no problem with that. God, he looked awesome at Summer League. He really did. Now, that's going to be one of those. Did Summer League foretell what was to come or was that Summer League? I don't know. I don't know. But I'll tell you this. That kid, he's got some onions <laughs> and he is not scared. And he can shoot the shit out of the ball. Mm, yeah, there's a strong possibility that that uh, us boys at the at the ringer got it wrong with with Hero. I had him ranked 27th. Uh, Danny Oof. and Charts both had him 30th. I think there's a strong possibility that we all three of us got it wrong with him. I, I think with Hero, it's it's fascinating to me that he has been very open about the fact that Devin Booker is his favorite player, and he's entering the NBA with sort of similar pluses and minuses if you're assessing his game out of college out of kentucky coincidentally same school devin booker went to there is a possibility that we do see more elements that that he flashed in summer league on the ball passing making smart plays off the dribble if his ball handling continues to develop and if he really maxes out his athleticism getting a bit quicker with his first step he can do a bit more than just be a a shooter off the catch which he was rightfully praised for by his peers which rookie is the best defender? Uh, Matisse Thibel from Philadelphia went to Washington. I love yeah, I mean, there was one knock. What did I? Uh, the offense has obviously got a long way to go. But the other thing was that he was playing. He had all these crazy blocks and steals numbers, and some discounted them a bit because he was playing, you know, in his own primarily from that old Syracuse assistant that's now at uh, at Washington. Uh, DeAndre Hunter. Got a lot of votes. And then, of course, Brandon Clark, Jackson Hayes, Nasir Little all on that list. Also receiving votes, Bull Bull. Just wanted to pass that on to you. Just wanted to pass that. Just, I just want to pass that on yeah. to you. That well, Bull Bull also, uh, by his peers, got votes as the best yeah. defender. Yeah. Rookies voted Josh Jackson two years ago. <laughs> I love looking at the past votes, some, like the, where they get it right and where they got it why wrong. You, why, why are you bringing up old crap? Why are you bringing up old crap? <laughs> um, I mean, you can bring up the stuff I got wrong too. I'd be happy to discuss. It's 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 interesting to see where people got it wrong. That that's what I mean. It's interesting to look at where I got it wrong in the past. It's like back in 2014, Marcus Smart and KJ McDaniel's were tied as best defender. Marcus Smart has panned out completely. KJ McDaniels, who I also loved in the draft, <laughs> has been an utter failure. All right. What about Thibel? Do you agree with the rookies? I think he's going to be tremendous. You do. Philadelphia. I think he's a better shooter than he got credit for coming out of school. So that's number one. And I think with his defense, very clearly is going to be a multi- multi-positional defender. And at every level, high school and then in college, he has been 
max effort guy, a smart defender. He's one of those players who will sacrifice for his team, diving on the floor for loose balls, taking a charge, making the rotation that other guys may not because they're tired. Thibel makes all of those plays. And for Philadelphia, he's one of those pieces that can just fit in and enhance or complement some of the stars and more ball-dominant players on that team. It's a, it's a great fit for the Sixers. This has not been, uh, it's not, not been great to win this award, clearly, because it was Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Oladipo, who's turned out to be an all-star, McDaniel, Smart, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Chris Dunn, Josh Jackson, last year, Javon Carter, this year, Thibel. Um, rookie playmaker, John Morant, got the majority of the votes. He is followed by Darius Garland. And then uh, Ty Jerome and Kobe White. Darius Garland is easily the biggest wild card of any of the rookies to me. I I do wish that I could have gotten to see him at Summer League. I wasn't paying attention to Vandy at the very beginning of the season. And you really had to have been if you wanted to see that kid play at all. So you're just going off of high school tapes and then the word of many NBA scouts and GMs that I trust in talent evaluation. and. I couldn't find anybody that didn't think Garland was going to be awesome. I mean, it was unanimous, unanimous that they thought Garland's going to be awesome. I just haven't seen the kid play against great competition. So I, I don't know, you know, I, I'm very excited to watch him play this upcoming season and wished I could have gotten to see him at least against the level of competition that there was at Summer League, just to see how he looks amongst those guys, like we got to see Kobe White and some others, and Harrow and, and some of the other guys we've mentioned. Uh, where are you at on Garland? Well, it's like I said earlier. I think, to me, if you're looking for a sleeper for Rookie of the Year, he makes a lot of sense for okay. a lot of the same reasons you just said. Yeah, outside of Morant, um, you know I'm I'm in love with that Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Got to see him in Summer League. And everything about him was awesome. Everything. He was just tremendous. And I could see him having an outstanding rookie year. And he's a great playmaker, too. I mean, he was all around. Outstanding defender. I mean, they nailed the draft. They really did. The Pelicans friggin' nailed it. (laughs) I mean, because Hayes looked so much better than anybody thought already. And they got Zion, that kid, and Hayes. Jeez. Super exciting stuff going to be happening in New Orleans over the course of the next couple of years. And then, yeah, that was that was all of the player ones. Um, their favorite player in the league was LeBron James, followed by Kevin Durant. What was funny was that Kevin Garnett got a vote for their favorite player in the league. <laughs> so, and Steve Nash. Steve Nash and Kevin yeah, Garnett Steve got votes. as well. Yeah. And, Jam- and Jamal Crawford. <laughs> Interesting to see Devin Booker <laughs> on there as well. Like a lot of superstar players here, like LeBron, KD, Kawhi, Lillard, Harden, Devin Booker. <laughs> I figured they, I figured they gave you a vote. I mean, I, I, I would happily vote for Devin Booker. He's I know you most, would. Most one of the most underrated players in the league, but underrated, most unfairly slandered players in basketball. <laughs> unfairly slandered. <laughs> Good grief! He, it's he, true. He, well, he, his team has won like thirty games in his whole career. That's, that's congratulations. Not his fault. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. All right, but well, it's not, hey, all, hey, not all his fault. Hey, <laughs> hey look, we've been talking about it for years. This has got to be the year, right? This has got to be the year. The bright future Suns thing's gonna come through for you, right, Kev? <laughs> this is the year. 
The playoffs, right? <laughs> um, no, they're not. They're definitely what? not in the playoffs. What do you they, mean? They, 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 <laughs> what are you talking about? They're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, they're going to tank again. <laughs> no, God, no. It's it's, it's the eternal, uh, what is it? Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. It, it's them, huh? They're just the eternal bright future. They're just going to be eternal. It's going to, what they got to do is tank and get another high pick for the rest of time. Yes, Chris. Lose <laughs> just 60 just lose. games again, get a high pick. Yeah, go for go for James Wiseman that you could have a James Wiseman, DeAndre Ayton front court. <laughs> maybe get maybe get RJ Hampton have a jumbo size backcourt. That could be cool with Booker uh, and Hampton. You don't think that uh, Cam Johnson was the answer, huh? Mm, oh, I think so. No, I don't. They got Ricky Rubio now. Didn't you see that? They got Ricky Rubio. Uh, yeah. Hopefully. No. No. Uh, I don't know, dude. <laughs> <laughs> they do. <laughs> they have some pieces. When but, is uh, the future bright, Kev? I mean, I, I'm. I have moved on to the Grizzlies and the Pelicans. <laughs> However, um, I think with Devin Booker, though, I mean what I said. I think he is the most unfairly slandered player in the league, and we've talked about it plenty of times before. I'm sure we'll talk about it many times again. But Devin Booker in this league is a star. Uh, he just hope happens to be surrounded by a bunch of crap. <laughs> Crap! How dare you, Dragon Bender? You don't you still believe? You don't believe anymore? All right. Yep. Uh, hey, listen, free Ty Jerome. <laughs> I was so mad when he got drafted there. I was like, no, <laughs> no. I got high hopes for uh, Ty Jerome. Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Enjoy your week, and we'll catch up again uh, next Tuesday. Absolutely, Chris. Looking forward to what we're recording. I don't know if you said this at the top of the show, but recording on Monday night. I'm looking forward to watching Bachelor in Paradise. Oh, my God. Of course, <laughs> of course you are. Oh, by yeah. the way, next week we're doing a mailbag. Oh, yeah, we That's are right. doing a mailbag. Yeah, yeah. So give them, the, give them the address. Yeah, people, if they want to submit questions, can email nbamailbag at gmail.com. So next week we'll answer some questions, talk about whatever we want. You know, oh, ask man. us about life, you know, I movies, figured, food, and basketball, of course, too. I'm glad you're using a different uh, email. I figured you were going to use your personal one, Bright Future Sun Fan at Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it'd be like it'd be like an at Hotmail or something like right. that. <laughs> you go, you go watch Bachelor in Paradise. I'm going to go like I don't know, chop wood or something like super <laughs> super masculine. <laughs> <laughs> what while while work wearing one of your old yeah. Nike suit sneakers? Yeah, I'm gonna Collect- throw on collectors, right? Yeah, I'm gonna throw on some Jordans and jo- go like uh, <laughs> I don't know, weld something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit and watch Bachelor in Paradise <laughs> with my mom. All right, <laughs> uh, Kevin, I'll catch up with you next week. Uh, thanks to everybody week. for listening to another episode of the Mismatch. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars, five stars. It really helps, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you.